You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, you wonderful people? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Lakers. I am your host, as always, Jacob Rude. I appreciate each and every one of you making Locked On Hoosiers part of your day today. We are racing closer and closer to the start of the college football season. 25 days and counting before the Hoosiers kick off at Iowa week one. I could not be more excited. Before we get there, though, we have some stuff to talk about today. As we jump into that, be sure to visit rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car is ever going to need. Today, I want to tell, talk about the end of the Crossroads Classic. It's what I've been teasing for a while. I want to talk about it because, honestly, I'm not even really sad to see it going. It ultimately was amounting to a bit of a waste. So, I want to kind of look back on what it was, what it they had hoped it would be, why it never really became anything fun basically and what the future holds in place of the crossroads classic and then we'll also talk about a ranking of the top big 10 quarterbacks and you guys are going to be surprised where Penix was ranked i certainly was as i read the article so lots to cover today as always you can subscribe to locked on hoosiers wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts Follow me on Twitter at Jacob Rude. Follow the show at LO underscore Hoosiers. Appreciate all the support you guys have given as we are getting up on our feet and running now, hopefully. So the Crossroads Classic. As I said, and as I'm sure basically everybody knows at this point, it's not breaking news that it is ending. Um, The news kind of broke the week before this show started. But it certainly is something worth talking about because, as I said, it just wasn't really worth any of the trouble at this point and I'm glad to see it go it's been past its expiration date for a couple years now I think Um, and really I don't think there's much of an argument against getting rid of it let's dive into why it kind of never really worked Um, for those that may have missed it uh, back July 27th Mike Carmen of the Lafayette Journal and Courier reported that this would be the final year of the Crossroads Classic. Not shocking, as I said. It was on its final legs. It felt inevitable. But it is a little bit disappointing because, in theory, uh, this kind of event should work. Uh, But, honestly, it never really lived up to the hype. All four schools were never good at the same time. When they made it, It came at a time when Butler had just come off the national title runs. Indiana and Purdue were always kind of right there in the Big Ten. Indiana obviously wasn't at the time. That was early in the Crean stage. But ultimately, they became the team that carried this. Um, The fan base was always there. Notre Dame was kind of the, I don't even know a nice way of saying, the add-on, the fourth wheel. Um... Their basketball program certainly does not hold the same stature as their football program. There was only once in the 10 years, it'll be, this will be the 11th and final year, um, that all four teams were ranked. 
That was in 2016. Um, Indiana lost that year. One of only three losses they've had in the whole tournament. They have the best record. So it certainly isn't a case of this not being a prosperous tournament for Indiana. They were the best team in it. But as I said, I mean, they pretty much carried this event. It was Indiana's stature as a basketball, I guess, blue blood, although they have certainly faded in recent years. But Indiana's stature always kind of gave this credibility. And the fan base, um, Conseco, Banker's Life, um, as it became about midway through this event, uh, they it was always sold out, and it was an overwhelming majority of IU fans. Indianapolis is a place IU often goes throughout its history, and it always has great support there. But honestly, it maybe save for the first couple years, it never really felt like Indiana was ever fully committed to this. It always just had this sense of more harm than good because ultimately Indiana never really got much out of it. Um, the first couple years they were playing as the best team in this event and they had everything to lose. And you saw in the second year, a number one ranked Indiana team lost to Butler. Um, in that, I mean, it was a memorable game for Butler. It was one of the more memorable games of this whole event, but save for a few years stretch in the middle, and some of the more recent games, Indiana's always been one of, if not the best team in this, at least in terms of ranking coming into it. Um, they've always carried this, um, whether from a competitive standpoint or from a kind of off-court standpoint. So, and then on top of that, when you're looking at this from my use perspective, it was more hassle than help. It, this classic came at a time when um, non-conference games are valuable because during this winter break, everybody's home uh, more often, more eyes are on the TV. So these weekend games are always valuable. And putting this tournament right before Christmas always took up one of the most valuable spots. You're starting to pair these things together, and it just makes less and less sense for Indiana to stay involved with it. Um, they lose a spot to schedule a non-conference game. Uh, then they lose a valuable spot in the schedule. And they're coming into this thing more often than not playing down to the competition. Uh, I, it just never really added up for Indiana to stay a part of this. The murmurs and the rumblings in recent years have indicated that it that very point that Indiana it never it just wasn't in their best interest to continue playing these games that's certainly not to say there were a lot of times Indiana came into this unranked and it's there's been a couple times I should say a couple seasons in a row where Indiana was down but as I said they've won seven of the ten games they've played so it's certainly not a case of Indiana walking away sore losers even if they lose this last game but and butler wins uh their game um you're still looking at both teams finishing this tournament seven and four so what does this mean for indiana moving forward well it opens up the scheduling slot we were talking about which they can now use in a more primetime game you could hope maybe not primetime but a more 
interesting matchup. Uh, that slot is going to be available for various other things now. Um, Zach Osterman wrote a piece right after this happened where they talked about having to pull out of certain events because of the 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 date of the Crossroads Classic. Um, Indiana passed on the CBS Sports Classic, which would have put them with Kentucky, UCLA, and UNC for a three-year cycle. Um, things like that. That certainly would have been a more valuable use of Indiana's schedule, kind of that date in the schedule, than playing Purdue, or not even Purdue, playing Notre Dame and Butler. And that that was one of the things I didn't even mention, the fact that Indiana and Purdue couldn't even play each other. So IU is playing Notre Dame and Butler, who Butler has been better um, since those national title runs, but they certainly have never gotten anywhere close to that level. Um, and we mentioned Notre Dame has been a respectable basketball program, but never really kind of a top tier one. So Indiana's consistently coming into this playing two teams that more often than not are looking to gain something big from beating in Indiana. There's also an idea of maybe a different kind of classic, which I want to talk about um, here in just a few moments, because I think there is some type of value there. Before we get to that, though, if you're looking to bet on any sports coming up, whether it's baseball, college football, in about a month's time, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, as I said, is already in full swing. You can bet daily on those games. You can track all the action at bet online. Um, you can get your latest news and info or updated odds um, for baseball, for basketball, for hockey, for UFC and MMA. If you're a real, we'll call it sports nut, you can bet on summer league basketball. Would not recommend it. <laughs> but if that's, if that's your cup of tea, you can go for it. So before that next pitch, that next tip off, um, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Um, if you go over there and sign up today, use the code Locked On and you receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. So head on over to Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The idea I've always had, if Indiana's committed to this kind of classic four-team idea, is to go outside the state and involve teams like Kentucky and Louisville. Um, IU-Kentucky needs to be a game again. It should. It doesn't necessarily need to be dependent on a classic or something like this, but those games were way too much fun for us to continue to go on without playing them. So make this part of a classic potentially where you play in an Indianapolis, you play in a Louisville um you can, but you would you could involve a fourth team. Maybe it is Purdue. You run into some of the same problems with IU and Purdue not being able to play each other. But playing Kentucky and Louisville every year is a step up from playing Notre Dame and Butler. Uh, maybe you get a different team that may not be linked geographically. Maybe you do something like that CBS Sports Classic where you have a fourth team kind of rotate in based on how well they're playing, whether the schedules line up. I don't really have an idea of who you would target. Ideally, it would be somebody not in the Big Ten, ACC, or SEC so that you could r rotate the schedules every year. Um, that rules out a lot of teams, but 
that idea has always intrigued me mainly because I want to see Indiana and you in Kentucky play again. Louisville is certainly a worthy opponent. Add in a fourth team of that level, and it becomes something like the tip-off classic with Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, and Michigan State. Obviously a tier below that, but something every year where you're getting high-profile games regardless of kind of what state the program is in because all these programs still, with few exceptions, play at a high level. Um, Maybe that's a way you look to refresh and continue this classic idea, continue playing games in Indianapolis potentially, and add new opponents that make more sense for IU to play. Now, for as much of a disappointment, I guess, as the Crossroads Classic ultimately ended up being, Indiana still had a lot of memorable moments. I mean, you don't get seven wins and not have some memorable games. Um, To me, the most memorable moment, I ranked a couple of them, was Jawan Morgan's game against Notre Dame. And really that sequence of the and one, missed free throw, um, rebound leading to a dunk by Jawan to give IU the lead. Everything about that was incredible. That was kind of, in a lot of ways, Juwan's coming out party to the nation, at least. I think IU fans were f- pretty much aware of what of how valuable he was, but that kind of introduced him on a national scale. And then he follows it up the very next year with 35 points. Um, they should rename this thing the Juwan Morgan Classic for the final season, if we're being honest. Another, obviously, I mean, in that game, he scores 35 points. 2018 against Butler, nobody remembers that because that game's remembered for Rob Fennessy's buzzer beater, which um, is another one of the most memorable moments. It was a absolutely ridiculous final possession. I'm I still to this day don't know what the point of that final possession was. I I rewatched it a couple times. Uh, there was really no end goal there, which kind of perfectly describes the Archie Miller era. Um, You couldn't really tell what they wanted to do, and in this instance, Rob Fennessy throws in an absolute prayer that falls and gives IU the win. Uh, That is memorable. Ultimately, that game didn't matter a whole lot in the grand scheme of things for Archie or for that team, unfortunately. One of my personal favorite memories is 2014. I got to cover that game. That was the only Crossroads game I was in attendance for. Uh, but that was kind of the start of um, I don't I don't want to necessarily say turnaround, but that was an IU team led by Yogi that was starting to show signs that potentially they could be something. That was kind of in the downswoon of the Tom Crean era between his Big Ten titles. And that team, that game was against Butler. They were down or excuse me, it was tied at halftime, but Yogi had sat much of the first half with foul trouble. He comes out in the second half. Him and Troy Williams scored 42 of the 82 points, and IU wins going away in the second half. That was a memorable win, but a memorable game as well. One of the other memorable wins came the following season. It was another comeback. And there is no doubt this comeback sparked something. This was against Notre Dame 
IU heads into the half down 10 points. This was the season IU ultimately ended up winning the Big Ten, but in that moment at halftime, it felt like we were a lot closer to the end of the Crean era rather than a second Big Ten title in four years. Ultimately, Indiana turns it around in the second half, really seemed to find out something about themselves in that game, and they outscored Notre Dame 49-32 the second half. Another comfortable victory, and that really sparks the team. It wasn't the win that it wasn't the win that started a win streak. They'd won three games before that, but those were cupcake games. Um, this Notre Dame game kind of sparked something, and it was a part of a 12-game win streak that eventually ended in Wisconsin, as every IU game in Wisconsin ends with a loss. But ultimately. That was the big the big win that sparked the run for that team. So there were memorable moments and memorable games for IU during this Crossroads Classic, but it still doesn't really validate um, the its existence and IU to continue playing in it because, as we said, in the grand scheme of things of those five games I just mentioned, only one of them had any real sort of impact on the season, and it was that last one. The other ones pretty much came in lost seasons. Both of Juwan Morgan's performances didn't really amount to much, um, with Fennessey's buzzer beater being in that other one. And that Yogi Ferrell comeback that I mentioned came in a pretty much lost season as well. So ultimately this classic meant very little to Indiana, and these are just kind of examples of ultimately... Regardless of how special the moment was for Indiana, this didn't mean anything for their season. And with such a such few chances in non-conference play to have an impact on your season, playing these games really felt like a missed opportunity of sorts. So it was it produced memorable moments, it produced fun outcomes, but ultimately it's better that it's going away and hopefully Indiana will be able to replace it with something a little more meaningful and a little more helpful in their scheduling each each season, excuse me. We will reveal this list put together by Athlon Sports who one of the more reputable uh, college football sites, publications. I'm not sure if they still have a publication. It doesn't seem like anybody does. But they've obviously covered fo- college football for quite a while. They put together a list of the top quarterbacks. As I said, I was surprised to see where Penix fell in this list. So we'll look at it and see what it kind of means for Indiana right after this. First, though, I want to mention Rock Auto once more. Uh, With ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's honestly impossible to find the parts you need when you go into a store whether it's an auto parts store, whether it's a Walmart, whatever it is, uh, it's it's impossible to find a part. Then you have to deal with someone looking it up themselves and usually ordering it themselves. So honestly, just skip the middleman. Go to rockauto.com. Um, you can visit it at home on your computer, in your pocket, on your phone. Saves you time. Saves you money because you can spend 30, 50, or even 100% less for the same parts because they're not getting marked up at a chain store or dealership. And I think one of the biggest selling points for me is that you don't have to get out 
right now with a pandemic going on and COVID cases rising once more. Um, just stay at home, look up the part you need on rockauto.com and do the shopping yourself. Um, they have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And we could all probably use a new carpet in our car. The It's an easy to use website so you can go find your solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now, see what's available for your car or truck, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. As I mentioned, Athlon Sports released a top 10 ranking of Big Ten quarterbacks. These are the types of things I normally would not even bother looking at because in the past IU comes in maybe in a good season eighth or something like that but they're typically at the bottom of the rankings these are the things that I care about this season because you care about things more when they say nice things about your team still though it's Indiana I didn't really expect a whole lot maybe if Penix is in the top half maybe top three or four I'll be impressed uh, your top four for this season, Graham Mertz for Wisconsin, uh, came in at fourth. Tanner Morgan for Minnesota, who was the name that I thought that they might put in at number one. He's going, he's coming in with, um, a lot of expectations. It's going to be an interesting year for him and for Morgan. CJ Stroud is number two for Ohio State. That feels like a reputation pick, so I'm not entirely certain what Ohio State's quarterback situation is going to be. Feels a little premature to put any of their guys number two, Uh, but the important thing is Michael Penix is the number one quarterback in the Big Ten, according to this list. Honestly, it feels it's what I would have selected, but I'm biased, and I'll be the first to admit that. It's also a little surprising because Penix is coming off a torn ACL, and he's only played 12 games across the last two seasons combined. So there's pretty easy arguments against putting him number one. The fact that they put him number one is incredible. Uh, It's exciting. Uh, It's showing kind of the difference in Indiana this season versus pretty much any other season in the modern era. Got me kind of thinking of when the last time Indiana would have had the best quarterback in the conference coming into a season. My first, Your first thought, obviously, when you think Indiana quarterbacks is to go back to Antoine Randall-L. Um, so I went back and looked. In 2000, was probably statistically Randall-L's best season. He has 1,783 passing yards. He has 1,270 rushing yards. Uh, 23 combined touchdowns, though he did throw 14 interceptions, but still, statistically, in terms of yardage, um, one of his best seasons, particularly as a dual threat, that season, Drew Brees is the top quarterback in the Big Ten, but he goes off for the draft. So coming into the next year, uh, Antoine Randall is the best quarterback in the Big Ten, and he played like it. Uh, 1,664 passing yards, 9 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 964 rushing yards, 8 touchdowns, caught 4 passes. Um, He just did everything, punted 8 times, because why not? There isn't anything else he couldn't do. Returned 
16 punts. He just did everything for Indiana. So he was objectively the best quarterback in the Big Ten. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. If you look at that was the season. If you look at the Heisman voting, he finishes sixth. Albeit five quarterbacks finished above him. But as rare as it is to have the best quarterback in the Big Ten, it's even more rare for Indiana to even receive Heisman votes. So that is probably the last time I can think of Indiana having the best quarterback in the conference. Which, again, just shows you what the expectations are for this Indiana team. Now, obviously, Penix is not going to be Antoine Randall. That is wildly unfair to him to expect him to be that. But you're getting a sense of where this falls in line kind of historically with Indiana football's expectations. This is, I mean, that was 2001. Two decades, two decades ago was the last time Indiana football had this much expectations, when it, at least when it comes to one position. If you're talking about the full team, even then, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a season where Indiana had these types of expectations. You're not, you don't typically ask the type of questions to Indiana that you are this season. The, the questions of, are they a dark horse to win the Big Ten? Could they pull off an upset against Ohio State? Um, I mean, realistically, we're probably coming into this season as the second best team in that in the division. So that again is another situation where. Indiana has not been in that position since they've even went to divisions. It's going to be interesting to watch this team. Another reason to be excited about this team, as if you needed any more reasons, but it's going to be such a fun year. My hope is that we're able to enjoy this season for what it will be, because it's also going to be a season with more expectations than ever. And I hope that we don't get too caught up in maybe not meeting those expectations, which is entirely possible, but instead savoring this moment and how rare it is for this program to be here. The AP Top 25 is going to be out next Monday. We will certainly talk about that. Indiana is probably going to be in it. And just that alone is just an incredible thing to happen. So... As if I needed any more reason to be excited, this is another one. That will do it for us today, though. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening, for sticking with me this long, both in the podcast and through these first couple weeks. We're starting to get things ironed out, starting to feel a little bit more natural, these conversations. And again, I want them to be conversations. Follow me on Twitter. Leave your ratings, your reviews. Let me know what you want to hear about. I do check them. I want to hear your feedback and have a conversation with you guys. So so thank you for all the support. Subscribe to the podcast. While you're there, head on over to Locked On Bets, where betting on the Hoosiers and college football doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to Locked On Bets. New show hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You'll get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, Lee Sterling's lock of the day, um, everything you could need. So follow Locked On Bets, brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and LEO, guys.